2: Where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous US China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Hey, everybody, this is Doc G, and this is Rewind Week on Earn and Invest. Today, we're going to talk about burnout burnout in life, burnout in your finances, and burnout as a physician. This is a great conversation and relevant just as much today as it was a year and a half ago when we originally recorded it. Remember, since this is a Rewind episode, the podcast at the time was called What's Up Next, and you'll hear the dulcet tones of my former partner, Paul Thompson. I hope you enjoy it, but first, I wanted to thank one of my sponsors. In 2020, I think many of us did a lot of self-reflection. One topic that has really surfaced post-2020 is giving back. How can we make a difference in someone else's life? And is it possible to do good for others while actually making money? I'm really glad to share with you our new partner, Equity & Help Literally Well, helps you do exactly that. Equity and Help makes it possible to help a family in need. Over 50% of Americans spend more than half of their earnings on rent payments. So what Equity and Help has done is build an investment model to shrink this number. The mission of Equity and Help is to give families the realization of the American dream to own a home of their own when they might otherwise have not been able to. You can speak to a so-called philanthro investor at Equity and Help. Just visit equityandhelp.com slash podcast. Again, that's equityandhelp.com
2: slash podcast.
0: This is Melissa Blevins.
2: This is Bill Young. This is Scott Sherman. Hey, this is Jeff, the happy philosopher. And this is Doc G,
1: and you're listening to the Earn and Invest Podcast. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next?
3: Hey, Doc. I think everybody's going to really enjoy this conversation because it is a phenomena that we are all dealing with, and it is what is the role of burnout? in their path to financial independence. So we're going to have each of these guests talk about how it plays a role in their lives. And we'll go around and do a quick introduction.
4: My name is Bill Yount, and you can find me at Pivot Points MD and Facebook group Financial Literacy Project. I'm interested in all things emergency with regards to also emergency financial care as well.
0: My name is Melissa Blevins and I run the site melissablevins.com. I actually call my site Perfection Hangover because I share the sober truth about money blogging and business.
5: Yeah, my name is Scott Sherman. I blog at I Dream of Fire and I'm a financial coach with Live Your Way Financial Coaching.
2: All right. Well, my name is Jeff and I am The Happy Philosopher. I blog over at thehappyphilosopher.com. I am a radiologist, been working about 15 years, and I had the privilege of going through massive burnout about five years into my career. And I kind of wandered through financial independence as sort of my path through burnout.
1: All right, Jeff, I actually want to start with you. Your moniker is the happy philosopher, but I want to go to a time that wasn't so happy. Can you talk to me about your worst day of work ever?
2: I don't know that there's any one day that stands out to me. There was a tipping point where I decided I was going to leave medicine. Looking back on it, I don't know what exactly it was. It was sort of death by a thousand cuts for me that led to my burnout. It was the the overall stress of the job combined with the tedium of it. So there wasn't really a, a specific day. It was cumulative.
1: Melissa, the same with you. Can you point back maybe to one of your days at Wells Fargo that it was enough? It was a triggering day and you said, boy, this is as bad as it gets.
0: Oh, I've got some stories about when I worked at Wells Fargo. Yeah, I was a uh, what's called a personal banker too. So I did a lot of the consumer side of bank accounts and all of that and loans I worked with a lot of business partners to refer loans and different products to the other lines of business in the bank. And we also were out a branch manager. So we didn't have a branch manager and Wells Fargo is notorious for sales, sales, sales. So as a personal banker too, I was to step up and manage all of the conference calls and the teller line and the other personal bankers and CSRs And it was absolutely exhausting. And I I was going, I'm getting paid $36,000 a year to sit here for 2,080 hours a year and do what? You know, I didn't feel like I was really helping anyone. I didn't feel like I was really able to even help the customers walking in because I spent most of my time on conference calls talking numbers for the branch, talking about how we were gonna go out and bug people in Walmart parking lots to try to get them to open checking accounts, which, you know in my opinion, is not going to really even benefit the bank to the full potential that they should be focusing on.
1: Bill, I'm sure as an emergency room physician, you unfortunately can have many bad days. Can you talk to us about one
4: of the most significant? Seems sometimes like every day is somebody's worst bad day. So I deal with that on a daily basis. But one comes to mind when you ask me that question. It's pretty much my worst nightmare. I had the distinct privilege to take care of a family whose son hung himself. And my sons were the same age as this son that came in, this child. And uh, the paramedics had done everything they could. As it turned out, the parent was also a paramedic. So it was in the medical family. It was a very intimate experience in a small community. We tried everything. But in the end, there was nothing we could do and had to remove the noose from his neck. Stepped out, broke down in tears, and I couldn't work anymore.
1: Scott, can you point to a single day that you were working? I know you eventually took a mini retirement. Was there one day specifically that stood
5: out that made you want to leave? No, for me, actually, in some ways, the burnout came not from overwork in one particular day, but from just the lack of enough days of feeling like I was doing something that was meaningful to me personally. You know, I actually uh, was a journalist originally, and so I had a lot of crazy days in journalism where we spent a lot of hours covering, you know, breaking stories that were uh, of national uh, notoriety, and that was exciting. Those were actually the good days, those crazy days. It's the days where you're bored to tears sometimes, where you're just like, what am I doing? Why am I here right now? And I think for me, that was sort of the catalyst was enough of that time where it's just like, what is this time spent doing in can I be doing something better with it? So Jeff, Bill talks about
1: that bad day, but it sounds like you were thinking more of death by a thousand cuts. Is it a series of injurious events that eventually cause burnout or what's going on?
2: I think everybody experiences burnout in a different way. Sometimes it is just not a good fit with the job, the specific job or the career, or it can be you know, just chronic stress or long hours. For me, it was accumulation of just the high level of stress, the long hours. And after a few years working it, the joy that I got from it initially kind of seeped away. It just sort of filtered out. And what was left was just stress, anxiety, cynicism, and tedium. And that's a recipe for burnout. So that's what happened to me but i think it's going to look differently to just about anybody who goes through it depending on you know your family situation what's going on in your life your gender sometimes i mean a lot of factors can factor into it
1: so melissa i'm interested in this idea of extrinsic causes of burnout versus intrinsic do we burn out because there's something about us or is it that we're put in a difficult work situation
0: i think that it could have a lot to do with your personality type and the way that you react and respond to certain situations. For instance, if you have the weight of the world on your shoulders with regards to your household, to your finances, to your job, to you know, external factor relationships and things like that, it's going to affect how you react. Period. And certain people are adept to react in a more calm and collected manner than others. Some people just completely crumble and fall apart. And that can result in obviously, you know, very detrimental issues with regards to work. I mean, quitting your job on the fly, just, you know, getting fired or something like that. You know, sometimes it's external factors and sometimes it's just your own personality type just sabotaging you.
1: Scott, you decided
5: to do a mini retirement. Was it because you were changing or the job was changing? So my career arc has been interesting in that when I came up in newspapers, I kind of didn't have the same job or job title more than about 18 months or two years. Every 18 months to two years, my employer kind of threw a new challenge at me. And then when I shifted careers from newspapers to communications in IT in the higher ed space, the first job I had was about 18 months and then I got promoted into a different job. And so I had this sort of new role again, but I was there for three and a half years. So I was in this sort of this role that was the longest I'd been in a specific role. I don't want to say that I couldn't have learned new things, that I couldn't have done new things because that's not true. I could have chosen to, but I did get stagnant in that role. You know, there are a lot of factors that can go into why you hit burnout. For me, part of it was a change in how I was looking at the world. I think that's one of the things that we as financial practitioners or whatnot, people who are interested in this space, we start to look at the world differently than other people do. And we look at it with a lot more intention than I think a lot of people do. And that puts us in a different headspace. And maybe we recognize burnout, or we have the ability to deal with burnout differently than people who are not acting as intentionally in other aspects of life.
1: Bill, I want to play a little bit more with this kind of intrinsic versus extrinsic causes of burnout. In the physician's financial uh, independence space, we've had a lot of talk about moral injury versus burnout. Can you talk a little bit about what moral injury is and how it plays a role in at least physician burnout?
4: Well, recently Z Dog has uh, popularized moral injury with his YouTube video. It's really a spectrum, I think. Moral injury on the one end is more of um, a systems-based problem. It's done to you, it's external. Burnout on the other end is I think more intrinsic in nature. In the middle is the the messy gray area, which I generally is called compassion fatigue, and that's the commonality I think we all have where we live in that space. It's a cyclical issue. Burnout isn't something that's—it's an endpoint. Yeah, it can end in suicide, and I see that. And is the system responsible for fixing it, or are we responsible for healing thyself? Are we supposed to do more meditation and yoga, or is the system supposed to fix it with tech issues or capital expenditure? The answer really is both. All of the above. It spans across medicine. I think medicine is highlighted nowadays, but I don't think it's just a medical issue. I think we share very much similar issues with corporate burnout. I don't think it's that different. So what you, Bill, were talking about is
1: MD put out a video where he talked about burnout versus moral injury. And what I've seen is that a lot of people describe burnout as physical and emotional exhaustion, whereas moral injury is being put in a position where you can't do what you feel is right because the system is stopping you from doing what you feel is morally correct. And a lot of doctors have been saying that often when it comes to patient care, they know the right thing to do, but they feel tied down by medical policy and medical legal concerns. And that leads to a crisis. And Jeff, you know, When it comes to physicians, I've heard a lot of people use the term PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Do you think that's a model for burnout in our community?
2: I actually do. I mean, I think there's a lot of overlap between PTSD and burnout. I'm certainly not an expert on PTSD, so I wouldn't want to just go off the cuff here and say something incorrect. But for me, like when I came out of residency, just the sound of my pager would make my heart rate go up. I think I had a little bit of micro PTSD just from doing a residency. I mean, I think we all do. Just to kind of circle back on what Bill was saying earlier, because I find it kind of interesting, the internal versus external. I think at the end of the day, the way I think of it and frame it is what do we have control over? We really only have control over our own personal sphere of influence. And a lot of what's going on internally, we really don't have a lot of control on an individual level over the system. You know, you're not going to be able to change your hospital system or, you know, reimbursement or the medical legal system without really a lot of energy. And even then, you're probably just going to nudge it slightly. So the way I approached burnout was from a personal, what can I do to be more resilient to either change my specific job or specific situation? In my case, going part-time was very helpful.
1: So, Melissa, when you were at Wells Fargo, did you feel like you could change the system to make it more comfortable for you? And how did you know when it was time to leave?
0: Well, in a corporate setting, when you have, I'll just say big wigs in another city, you know, pulling the strings and telling you exactly what to do, you kind of do feel like a puppet. You have to follow their rules and their systems that are in place. They don't want to hear that 45 minute meetings three times a day are a waste of time. They don't want to hear that it's pulling you away from the actual customers and helping them with their needs. So I don't feel that in in a lot of the corporate setting that the higher ups actually listen to you and value your opinion. I feel like they think they know what's best and they're going to do it their way no matter what. And finally, I mean, that's where I was at. Conference calls every day, running the manager's job without the manager's pay, without any recognition, without any help, and just really running on a bare bones staff and just absolutely exhausted and feeling defeated and crying every night. That's when I decided to get my real estate license. So I began studying in the evenings after work or in the mornings before I went into work and I didn't look back. I haven't been back in a bank since then.
1: Was there any voices in your life, either your own or family or friends who said, you're up crying every night, you know, buck up, you know, this is what we do when we're professionals in America, you know, figure it out, as opposed to saying, well, maybe you need to remove yourself
0: from that situation. Actually, no. My support system, I learned really early on that you need to keep positive-minded people around you. And I kind of cut the people who were negative and who, you know, I don't feel like I was being a whiny baby, if that makes sense. I don't feel like I was, you know, that I was asking for too much out of my job, out of my career. But it just was time to move on. And my support system was very kind and gracious and understanding and supportive in me going out on my own and doing this. But in a smart financial, you know, without just quitting my job, I did it while I was working and made the transition that way. So they were very supportive.
1: Scott, was there any attempt to make your job more of what you wanted to be
5: before you decided on doing a mini retirement? Yeah, I mean, there was some talk about that and everybody's situation will be different. For me, you know, I looked around, were there other positions within that I might want to do? Part of what really made it more of a better option for me from a mini retirement standpoint was the commute for me just ended up being too much out of my day. And even if I changed jobs within the same company, I mean, I was commuting about a little less than two and a half hours a day you know, in total. Now, I was taking public transit, which for me was an important thing because I much preferred sitting on the train, listening to podcasts, reading books, playing games, whatever, to fighting traffic on the freeway to save myself 20 minutes a day or something like that. But when I ultimately looked at it, it was like, you know, even if I change jobs within the same company, I'm going to have that commute. And that's what I wanted to get away from was that sort of, I wanted more flexibility. I wanted to step away. You know, I kind of also want to go back to something that Jeff was talking about with the idea of PTSD, I think that one of the things that we're seeing with burnout here is that the speed of life that we live right now doesn't often allow for us to ramp down in the same way that maybe we could have in the past, right? The hyper-connected nature of our lives and this grueling demand for productivity at every turn makes it so that we're kind of always running the engine at 40 miles an hour. Right, you never really back off and recharge. You just go down to a a lower gear, but it's always running, and so you never really do get that chance to balance the really high end stress with a low end. You know, you get a vacation, great, but how many people don't take vacations? I mean, that's kind of a badge of honor now. I I would talk to people at work who's like, "Oh, I'm I'm going to lose you know 60 hours of vacation time this year because I'm already at my max." You're insane what is life for you, right? Is life, how hard can I work myself so that I can't enjoy what I'm working for? And I think that that's one of the things that is contributing to this feeling of burnout is that, you know, we're just rarely or never really disconnected. We're always on, you know, our cell phones constantly keep us in touch with work. We can check email at any hour of the day. The first thing we do when we get up is pick up the phone and see what we need to get ready to do for work. And then, you know, the media that we consume is this super fast, hyper-connected ecosystem that thrives on not really getting deep into the issues, but just piling more and more stuff on top. And I think the more that you live in that zone, the harder it is to step back and, you know, recharge and get out of that sort of burnout stage. So for me, that was one of the key things that I, I needed to do And why I chose the mini retirement route versus just finding another job was I wanted to intentionally disconnect myself from those demands to see what the effect would be.
1: Jeff, as I listened to Scott, I think about something you said, which is tangentially connected. In one of your blog posts, you said, many people I know live life somewhere on the happiness scale between mild satisfaction and outright misery. And if we look at what we're talking about, burnout and work, it doesn't sound much that life and work are that different. Is this a mental game? I mean, is burnout a result of mental dissatisfaction that not just pervades work, but pervades life too?
2: Well, yeah, I think that's an interesting point. You know, It seems like the lines between work and the rest of our life is being blurred and made more indistinct you know, due to multiple factors, just, you know, the social media being always connected. I think it looks different in medicine than it does, you know, in in banking or corporate America. In some ways, it might even be easier in in medicine to sort of disconnect, you know, when when you're not on call, when you're you're home, you are disconnected. You know, it's going to depend on specialty, of course. But yeah, I think that we have a tendency to design our lives to be miserable and to sort of predispose us to burnout working 60 hours a week and being on call and and having all this stress in your life. I mean, life doesn't really have to be like that. You know, most of us could work a lot less and make a little bit less money and and be happier, but we don't. We just don't design our life that way. And it's interesting and kind of depressing that we do this. But again, from a system standpoint, it's really hard to change the system. You know, say, you know, I'm going to go on a system where everybody works less and makes a little less money. There just aren't that many systems out there that are set up that way. So you have to kind of design your own system.
3: That's a perfect transition into what I was about to ask Jeff is, is how do you design your life in such a way that it Kind of fights against this phenomenon that we're talking about that Scott so perfectly illustrated in his description of what burnout is and the life and the world that we find ourselves in. How do you cope with this? So I'll actually like to give each of you a chance to just kind of jump in and answer or give us some advice to those who are listening. If you're dealing with this, this kind of burnout, what you've done in your life and what maybe would be a good suggestion to dealing with this? Bill, you can go ahead.
4: Well, I didn't know I was burned out and I didn't know about Phi. I just knew it didn't feel right. And I knew we needed to slow down. We got caught in the same commute thing. Uh, my wife and I were going a bit different directions. The kids were in the middle. The hedonic treadmill kept getting faster and faster. I could feel it. It was very visceral. And then we said, you know what? We got to do something different. We got to slow down. We got to bring it all under one roof. We got to get uh, in the same house, uh, have dinner together. And so we moved. We geo-arbitraged. I didn't know what that was. I found out later it was sort of a, a cart before the horse situation. But we moved from Chicago to Tennessee. And uh, we started life again at a time where it was, our kids were at the right time for that transition. It wasn't easy. There was sort of culture shock, but we've grown to it and uh, it really did achieve all the things we were hoping to achieve. And then we got us on the path and I figured out what the path was and all of a sudden everything started getting names later. But uh, the key was to say, just to take action and realize that this has one end point and we got to slow it down.
3: And what was the difference about Tennessee and in your circumstances that made the difference?
4: My commute was 10 minutes. The kids' school was uh, just around the corner. I could go to their events. My wife, her job was 10 minutes away. We were home more. We spent much more quality family time and the work was more palatable. It balanced things out again.
3: Balance. I think that's often the word that is used now is trying to figure out to get that balance. Melissa, this is something you talk about quite a bit in your material. What is your thoughts about this and what advice do you give on balance to the audience on how to deal with this and change your life around what you actually want versus this burnout?
0: Well, I think that there's two key factors that can really help anybody achieve a better work-life balance, and that is automation and delegation. As much as you can automate things in your life to automatically happen for you, whether that's scheduling your bill pays to happen automatically, ske- paying yourself first, pre-tax retirement, you know, any of that kind of stuff. I mean, that's just from a financial aspect. But anything you can set up, schedule to do automatically, and then delegate, help, ask for help, and get others involved in helping out. I mean, if you run a team of, well, say, you're a lot of you are in the finance or in the physician field. If you run a team with, say. Three nurses and four CNAs, you need to have each and every one of them to have a specific purpose that's going to help make everything run smoothly. When I was in the banking field, while I wasn't the branch manager, as I was operating as a branch manager, it needed to run as if I wasn't there, as if they didn't have a branch manager when I wasn't there. So if I was out of the office on vacation, for instance, when I came back, I wasn't coming into a disaster because that's another issue in and of itself is when you're not there, if you have to take a sick day with the kids and come back into the office, you're overwhelmed and you're just dreading the thought of what you have to walk into and the catching up you're gonna have to do.
1: So Scott, is financial independence then the answer to burnout? I mean, we've talked about some of the other possibilities. You did a mini retirement. Is financial independence the ultimate
5: way to avoid burnout? No, not at all. Because how many times have we heard people say you have to be running to something rather than running from something, right? The principles of financial independence enable you to have more options available to you to choose what it is that you want to do at that point in time. I think to avoid burnout, what people really need to do fairly regularly is revisit their core values, do a core values exercise and find out what are the core values that I hold right now. And those are going to change over time, right? They should. If they're not changing over time, you're, you're probably not growing as a person. And that's another issue that that's going to lead to a different kind of burnout. But, you know, do these core values exercises. You know, if you have a family, even if you don't, but especially if you have a family, dream together, do a desired end state. You know, what is it that we're trying to do here? Ultimately, if that's, you know, 20 years, 10 years, five years, three years, one year down the road, what is it that we're trying to do? And then how do we reverse engineer the result that we want, right? How do we get there? And I think that the principles of FI allow you to be able to do that with much more latitude than you might otherwise if you're, you know, right up against spending every dollar you make and then some, like a lot of people do, and then they're in burnout and they have no escape route whatsoever.
4: I totally resonate with that. You know, we can look at death like by a thousand cuts, but the way to avoid that is to exactly reverse engineer your life. Begin with the end in mind, dream big dreams, break them down into goals, break them down into things that you can do every month that gets you somewhere 10 years from now. Do it with your wife, do it with your kids. It's a mutual journey. I totally agree with that. And it wasn't until I got off the treadmill and started looking to the horizon that I realized that phi is just a tool financial independence and actually it can be a problem too if you get too enamored with phi you can run on that treadmill and you can't keep up with the phi joneses you'll lose to them too because somebody's always doing it better than you and so in order to achieve balance you've got to have your eyes on the horizon you won't get seasick right you know on the journey but uh, I agree with you totally thanks for those words
1: jeff's talk a little bit about financial independence as being part of the solution to physician burnout, and if you can talk also a little bit about it being coming a problem unto itself.
2: So I, I agree with what was said earlier by, by several people actually that financial independence isn't really the answer to burnout. It's not like if I'm burned out, becoming financially independent or going down that path is going to get rid of the burnout. It doesn't. That's sort of the path that I went down, and I can tell you it doesn't really work. Burnout is really The way I frame it is an imbalance between the things that deplete you and the things that recharge you. Mm -hmm. And the way I look at financial independence is that by achieving a higher degree of financial independence, it gives you more options. It gives you more freedom in the future to make those decisions like, you know, I'm not going to take call or work nights. I'm going to sell those shifts or I'm going to work part time or I'm going to leave this job and and take another one that, that doesn't make quite as much. If you live with some degree of frugality and are increasing your financial freedom, you have more options in the future. So FI, I agree, is a tool, but it's not really directly related to getting rid of burnout. I think for me, one of the big things that helped me is to frame, frame it, again, as getting rid of things that deplete you. So a lot of people try to add things to their life when they're not feeling well. You know, they'll go buy some shoes or a new car or you know, add some activities they think will make them happy. But really, I found that getting rid of the negative you know, saying no to relationships and commitments and things that don't serve you and getting rid of the negative things. It's more bang for the buck than just trying to add a bunch of positive things, at least initially.
1: And Jeff, you talk here about mindset and I believe you said in the past that you decided to go part-time at some point and that relieved your burnout before you actually took the action and cut your hours.
2: Is that right? Kind of. When I was about Five years in again, five years into my career, there was some trigger. You know, the only way I knew how to get out of this was just to become FI and quit. That was my plan. And I came home one night and told my wife, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this long term. I'm going to work five more years and then I'm done. And I sat down and was very proud of myself for coming up with this plan. But after about five minutes, I said, You know, I'm still burned out and I still have to go to work tomorrow. And I don't know how many days five years is, but it's a lot. It's a lot of, you know, call shifts and things that are burning me out. So it took me a while, but I decided that for me personally, going half-time, going part-time would be the solution. And that was a better idea than just working in burnout for five years and quitting completely. But it took me a couple years to actually engineer the job that I have now, which is a job share, a part-time job share. And By doing all these other things, getting rid of negatives in my life, optimizing things like mindset, meditation, gratitude, and diet, and exercise, and all these things, I found that those next two years were a lot better. I sort of emerged from the burnout. I I still love part-time, but when I went part-time, I realized that I could keep doing this full-time and have some semblance of happiness, but just for me, the part-time was better.
1: Do you think it was about control that when your mind clicked and you said that I could pull off part-time, that knowing that you had the control
2: gave you some peace of mind? You know, I think at that point, having the options and, you know, having gone down this path towards FI, I think FI is the long game. You know, for reality, FI, that's the long game. Eventually, you get to a point where you realize that you do have a lot of options. And, And I think that does help with the burnout. But initially, it didn't.
1: In the first half of the show, Bill, Melissa, Jeff, and Scott talk about the role of burnout at work. After the break, we delve into how it bleeds into the rest of our lives. But first... You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right, we've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks... And some nights, we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave, and two minutes later, we'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing. And there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including calorie smart, keto, protein plus, or vegan and veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week. These are chef-prepared meals, and let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave, and two minutes later, you have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code EARN50 at Factormeals.com slash EARN50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. You know what I hear over and over again from earning investors? They get confused by the stock market. We all know that we should be investing, but why does it have to be so complicated? But the truth is, the stock market is made for public trading, so it should be more accessible for everyone. That's why I joined Public.com, the investing social network where you can buy stocks in fractional shares and also share ideas with a community of investors. Public.com is creating a new, more inclusive culture for investing. When they say they want to open the stock market to everyone, they mean everyone. In fact, the Public.com community is made up of 40% women and 45% people of color. Go to public.com slash EAI to follow me on public.com and see what I'm investing in. You can start investing today with as little as $1. You'll even get a free slice of stocks when you join. Just go to public.com slash EAI to download the public.com app. This is valid for U.S. residents 18 and older. Subject to account approval, see public.com slash disclosures. This is not investment advice. So Melissa, I want to transition a little bit to a completely different topic. We talk about burnout at work, but it seems to me that burnout can occur in other parts of our life, marriage, kids, even financial independence. Have you found that burnout has bled into other parts of your life besides your work life?
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, we wear a lot of hats as business owners, as employees, as parents, as spouses. I mean, and then even in our personal relationships with our friends, our family members, and and all of that. And life can be exhausting sometimes. And I think I've said this before, but I'll say it again, it bears repeating that when one area of your life tends to fall apart, other areas can suffer. For instance, if you're having marital problems, you might tend to out and make that impulse purchase, right? Okay. So you might go out and buy something big. You might go out and purchase a truck, the truck that your husband wants, <laughs> just because you can do it and you want to just piss him off. Right. So, I mean, you can make those terrible decisions, those impulse purchases. Yeah. And those are bleeding into your, every other area of your life. Absolutely.
1: Scott let's talk about that further was there a point where you got burned out on your mini retirement
5: was there a point where you said okay I need to move on
1: and start doing something else
5: I can tell you that my six year old daughter got burned out on my mini retirement that was one of the interesting things as you know I when I would come home after working you know she would be spend an hour making dinner and then she'd go to bed like two hours later and uh, so I didn't really see her as much I was already gone in the morning when she'd wake up but once I had quit and then we didn't need to put her in daycare during the summer, it was like, Hey, we're going to have this great fun summer with dad. And about a month in she's like, when does school start? (laughs) So it was sort of like, Oh, okay, you're done with this too. But you know, I think that one of the things that I discovered was it took a while for me to get over this notion that I always had to be productive. Like every waking moment had to be scheduled check boxes, all that. That took a while to sort of break free from. And then it's not that I got burned out of, you know, the mini retirement, but I went in with the specific purpose of trying to figure out, I mean, I'm not FI. So I'm on the path, you know, I'd like to be there one day and I'm doing, you know, the things that will get me there. But because I was careful enough, my wife and I both were careful enough with our finances, I had the opportunity to do this mini retirement before I hit five. And I went into it with the express purpose of figuring out what is it that I want to do for the next little while. And it was very freeing to know that I didn't have to decide right away, but I also knew that at some point that was what I was shooting for. That was my end game. And it took about seven or eight months for things to kind of coalesce in my mind where everything came together and I went, yeah, financial coaching is actually the thing that I've been looking for. And even though now in hindsight, that was obvious, it could have been obvious, it wasn't at the time. And so it really, for me, I didn't get burned out on the mini retirement, although I did long for that, you know, what is the purpose that I'm, you know, I have this goal in mind, I need to get to that goal. So thankfully, I did before I ran out of money for my mini retirement. Bill, I sometimes worry
1: that we go to financial independence as the ultimate answer for a lot of problems. Do you worry that financial independence itself can cause burnout? I've certainly seen people online, on Reddit, and other places talk about financial independence leading to depression or feeling empty, especially the closer and the closer people get to being financially independent. Is that something you ever worry
5: about, Bill?
4: No, absolutely. And uh, I've been there. I agree totally with what Scott says. You You have to maintain balance on both sides of those equations. I mean, life is not just math. Life is not just emotion. It's a combination of those things and it's a balance of all those things. And it's at work, it's at home, it's in your marriage, it's at school, it's with the kids. And just like Melissa says, it gets out of balance and it will have a domino effect through your life. And you're constantly pausing, pivoting, adjusting. And what Scott did was perfect. I mean, I'm still not fine and I'm still full time. I'm sort of, as I prefer to it, burning through burnout to the other side because it's not going away. It's a part of life, the adjusting to it, with it, embracing it. I mean, is it really a problem or does it create growth? I mean, is it, is it always a problem? I think there's positive sides to burnout. I don't think it's all negative. And so I resonate with what everybody's saying here. And uh, I really appreciate this discussion because it's helping me find my path. Jeff, I've heard you say before
1: on other podcasts that happiness is the way out of burnout. Is that the ultimate antidote?
2: I think when you ask anybody what their life goal is, sort of the meta life goal, it's, it's some sort of form of happiness or contentment, you know, whatever we're doing in life. And, you know, most of us, the vast majority of us are going to be working most of our lives. And I think we have to find some way to find contentment and, and happiness and intertwine it with our careers. I think it's worth putting a lot of time and thought and energy into designing your life to maximize happiness and contentment.
3: I think that is a perfect transition to the opportunity to ask each of you the final question, which is what we started with. And what role does burnout play in the Pathify? And how do you go about designing your life so that it is in line with your core values? Scott, I'll give you a chance to comment on that.
5: Sure. I mean, I think there is a relationship there between FI and burnout. I think everybody should be striving for FI regardless. Even if you 100% enjoy what you do day in, day out, there may come a day where it's not your choice, but you don't get to do that anymore. And if you aren't financially prepared for that day, you're going to have a problem, right? But I think Again, going back to the idea of options, you know, burnout and phi, when you have phi or you at least have cushion, you have latitude to make different decisions based on what's important to you at that moment in time. Then that allows you to avoid, hopefully, some level of burnout because you get to choose what it is that you want to suffer in that regard. <laughs> and that's fine. I think part of it, again, is. When we're designing our lives, I think we all assume that everybody else is doing it better or we are afraid to talk to people and be vulnerable with this idea that, you know what, I might have this area of my life together, but this other part just is a mess and I don't I need help with it, right? And for some people, that part is finances. They can be fantastic parents. They can be wonderful spouses. They can be a hot mess financially or... They can be, you know, quote unquote, rich beyond their wildest dreams and giving everything to their kids that, you know, anybody could ever want. And they could be a terrible spouse because they're constantly working. They're not paying attention to the family needs and letting that go down. And I feel like the more that we can have these open conversations about life in general, in the same way that we have these conversations about finances in the personal finance space, have those conversations about life with other people who might help you understand different aspects or give you different tools in the same way. To have a better life overall, not just financially, is really what we want to be doing. And so the more of these kinds of conversations that we can have on a deeper level about all aspects of life, the better off we're all going to be in the long run. Well, Bill,
3: (laughs) what are your thoughts here for this final question of the role of burnout in financial
4: independence? No, they're intertwined. Absolutely. Financial independence is a tool and it is a goal. And it's a necessary step, I think, for everybody to want to achieve because the door through FI is the door to freedom and enlightenment where you can give back. You can take the time and the space like Scott does to do the half retirement and give back to his family to the point where his daughter's annoyed. And that's great. You know, glad, I'm glad she's annoyed. and She should be annoyed. My kids, I annoy them too. But it helps you achieve balance. It gives you the freedom to breathe, see the top of the mountain, enjoy it with somebody else, and uh, have the experiences that we're we're all after that amount to our happiness.
3: Jeff, do you have any philosophic words of wisdom for us on this path to financial independence and how it relates to burnout?
2: You know, I want to speak maybe specifically to physician crowd because, I mean, that's where I'm coming from. That's where my headspace is. You know, the incidence of burnout is so high in the medical profession, not just physicians. I mean, others in medicine, but I'm speaking specifically about physicians. The suicide rate is about two times higher than the national average. It's a real problem. And FI makes designing your life easier in the future. It's not going to prevent burnout tomorrow, but you should be thinking about FI before you're burned out to give you options in the future to change your life and to really design the life that you love.
3: I love that because for so many people who talk about financial independence, it is some sort of trigger in their life that we might consider burnout is what makes them go and find this path. And by then it might be a little bit too late and you're, you find yourself on this next five year slog of still being burned out and then trying to gain financial independence as well. So I'm really glad you made that comment. So Melissa, we'll turn back to you and give you the last word on the final question of the role of burnout and those that are listening, what can they do about it?
0: Well, I think that I can equate financial burnout with work burnout, with fitness burnout, with pretty much anything. And it's not a fad diet. It's not a get-rich-quick thing financial independence is not you know you're not going to wake up one day and you're going to be rich it's more slow and steady wins the race and it's making smart choices financially and even sometimes with your career it's making changes maybe it's making a geographical move somewhere else and making those changes in order to achieve what you're looking for that work life balance and living today is equally as important as how you're going to live when you're post retirement so i just think you know maintaining a Healthy level of making smart financial choices and also just doing the work and having those relationships.
3: Well, having the relationships, I think, is a big part of that because when I went into this thinking about money and financial independence, I had a reason, I had a purpose to get out of my job. And I found that the people that I met along the way were the reasons that I found was worthwhile.
4: I completely agree. I mean, phi was the stepping stone into a virtual space where we're meeting people differently. We're meeting people though remotely, and then we want to get to know them physically, intimately, in time and space. I'm in the process of working on meetups locally for people that I've met in this space. That didn't happen before. And it's the joy in this space, really, is much more. You create your financial house, but you fill it with the people you want to spend time with. I just want to run through the whole panel with this question before we end, For
1: a young person entering the workspace today, should they actively try to avoid burnout or is it part and parcel of the work experience? I'll start with you, Scott. That's a
5: tough question. I don't think anybody goes in seeking burnout, right? I mean, how do you actively avoid burnout? It's something that you need to be aware of that can happen. And you look for those things, you know, the things that can help recharge you to counteract those And make the the decisions about how you can cut out the things that definitely increase your burnout risk more than others. Right. So, yeah, I think that's a good thing. For somebody just starting out, though, you don't know what you don't know until you're in there and doing work in whatever field you've chosen. You don't really know how you're going to react to those things. And I think that just comes along with life. So, Actively avoid it. Sure. If you see signs that you're going to run into trouble, talk to somebody, figure out, you know, I think thankfully there's much less stigma about having therapy and talking to somebody now than there used to be. And I think that that's actually one thing that the upcoming generation has on its side is that there is more availability for those resources than there, there was in the past. So yeah, definitely if you see it coming, try to get out of the way. But I I don't know that you can go in knowing how you're going to avoid it in the first place.
1: Melissa, should the active young professional expect that burnout will be part of their path?
0: I don't think so if they have the right mindset. If they focus on personal development, personal growth, keeping the right positive mindset, taking care of that student loan debt ASAP. You know, I mean, a lot of burnout comes from the stress of having to financially take care of yourself and take care of these bills and take care of this debt. And I think the best advice that I could give to a young professional is get that student loan debt taken care of and and also try to just focus on doing what you love and spending time with the people that you love and making smart financial decisions. And the burnout will come at some point or another, just having that right mindset and knowing who you are and how you respond to the situation is going to help immensely.
1: Jeff and then Bill, can we practice preventative healthcare with our own trainees? Can we shield them from this burnout or is it just part of the process?
2: I don't think burnout is inevitable, but I think that there is a, a very high incidence, and some people are going to go through it no matter what. I think it really is important to try to avoid it, though. Try to optimize your life. Try to get into a job that has a high pretest probability for you not burning out. You have to know yourself. You have to know, you have some idea of your propensity towards burnout and take appropriate action, especially for physicians. I mean, your, your greatest asset coming out of training is your ability to work. And your ability to work a nice, long, satisfying career. Burnout is incredibly financially destructive and it should, should be avoided at all costs.
4: I think this generation has both the skills to avoid it because they're very adaptive, this generation coming up. They're used to you know adapting with, as the weather changes in the economy of their lives. By the same token, they're not as connected. There's a lot of technology and there's distance and it's all Snapchat and it's not the face-to-face conversations that they really need when burnout hits because burnout happens when you become master of your field and you get bored and that's going to happen. Boredom is a recursive phenomenon. So it's natural you're going to run into it. It can be healthy and it can be damaging, but you've got to have the people, those five people or whoever we say are your intimate circle that are going to you know, check in with you call you out, or you're going to say something's wrong. and I don't know what it is. And you're going to check in with them. We're going to help you realize that, hey, you need to make a a little bit of a pivot here. So they have both the skills, but then they're going to be challenged. I'm worried about my kids because the relationships come second, it seems sometimes.
3: Well, Bill, thank you for that insight. And we'd like to give everybody a chance to find out how to get a hold of you and ask the question, what is up next for Bill?
4: Well, uh, you can find me at the Financial Literacy Project. I'm very passionate about financial literacy for everyone. It's an open source forum. I mean, it's a closed group, but anybody can come in and and share in the conversation and help others join the path. I want to find a way to get people in this space that are too scared to be here. That's the challenge. And to keep them there once they're there, it can be off-putting. And I also have a hibernating website, Pivot Points MD. Got a lot of thought about how I'm going to give back in this space and share the Lessons I've learned all the hard way.
3: Well, thank you for joining us today. Melissa, how about you? Where can we find you and what is up next for you?
0: Well, I'm on all social media as my name, Melissa Blevins, right? And my website is melissablevins.com. Again, I call it Perfection Hangover because I like <laughs> to share the sober truth about money, blogging, and business the good, the bad, and the ugly about all sorts of business. I have a couple of interviews with Glamour Magazine and Cosmopolitan that are coming out in the next few weeks regarding multi-level marketing. And so be on the lookout for that.
3: Fantastic. I am looking forward to hearing more about that for sure. Scott, how about you? Where can we find you? And
5: what is brewing in your life next? Well, you can still find me at uh, the blog I Dream of Fire, although not quite as often posting these days, but Still working on that. And what's up next is I'm building a financial coaching business. It's called uh, Live Your Way Financial Coaching, liveyourwayfc.com. And what I'm trying to do is just help people who are ready to start living their dreams, figure out how they can get there financially. And so that's been just really rewarding for me to, you know, kind of like the same thing Bill is doing, to introduce some people to this space and this thought process that maybe had not thought of it previously.
3: Well, wonderful. We're glad you joined us today. Jeff, you are the last but not the least. What is up next for you and where can we find you? Best way to find my stuff
2: is at thehappyphilosopher.com, which is my blog. And there you can find a contact page if you want to reach out to me personally and tell me your story. I'm on social media, Twitter, Facebook. And what's up next for me? You know, I'm just going to keep writing when the ideas strike me, coming on podcasts, spreading the message of FI and trying to help people avoid burnout and all of the negative consequences that come with that to teach them how to become free and happy.
1: All right. Well, this has been the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my co-host, Paul Thompson, we wanted to thank Bill Yount, Jeff, the happy philosopher, Melissa Blevins, and Scott Sherman. That's a wrap. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that rewind episode. A lot of fun bloopers after the show. You're going to hear them in a minute. But first, I wanted to remind you that the Real Estate and Financial Independence Podcast with Coach Carson is one of the best podcasts about how to invest in real estate and specifically how to use those investments to reach financial independence. He really has two major types of episodes. One is in which he himself is giving you the tips and tricks to the industry, he's teaching you how to be a real estate investor. But the other is proof of concept where he brings on guests who are real life examples of how they've made their real estate assets work for them. Check him out at CoachCarson.com or listen to him wherever you listen to podcasts like this one. This is
0: Melissa Blevins and you're listening to the What's Next podcast.
3: No <laughs> That's going in the blooper reel.
0: What? Was it what's up?
1: Yeah. what's up next podcast.
0: What's up? What's up next? Okay, shit.
1: And Melissa, you used to work at Wells Fargo, right?
0: I did, yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <kidding>.
4: <laughs> I, I like the blooper parts already. Yeah. Oh my
0: gosh, guys. <laughs> I put together my bloopers for my YouTube channel from last year. I was standing outside and there were tractors just passing me. And I was like, what in the heck is going on? And but tractors, tractors, tractors. I'm like, it's a farmer's only commercial. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you
1: get for living outside of Springfield.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: All right, Bill, you ready to go? Sure. You,
4: you, can, you, can you do it in one take, you think? I, I'll give it my best shot. Okay. On three, two, one. This is Bill Young, and you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast.
3: Makes you look bad, Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> Shit,
0: <All
4: right>. damn. <laughs> I'm
0: going
3: to need, I'm I'm gonna gonna need a glass of about.
0: wine for this.
1: I <laughs> hey, Scott, are you going Are you going to use your name, or do you want G- Dreamer in Chief, or do you
5: care? Uh, let's give Jeff a second to, to get on yep. here so he doesn't add me to the blooper reel.
1: <laughs> 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 we were counting on that, actually.
5: Yeah.
3: We actually just texted him say, said, hey,
5: Jeff, get on real quick. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hurry up. In the middle.
3: So we'll have you do the same thing. And I would probably recommend, if you can, to write down the name of the episode or of the podcast. It's the What's Up Next podcast. Right, Melissa?
0: Because I effed it up. <laughs> 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 to put it lightly. Uh, and
3: even after we really prompted her to write it down, she said, oh, yeah. I, I got it. I got it.
0: I started and then I stopped. <laughs> And then I messed it
3: up. She didn't write it down. Right On three,
2: two, one. Hey, this is Jeff, the Happy Philosopher, and God dang it! I'm
0: right. <laughs> 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 we'll yes.
2: very happy with you. <laughs> yes. Wait, wait, say, 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 it again. What you, what
3: you said? I know it's the What's <laughs> Up podcast, and you're <laughs> listening to the What's Up Next podcast.
4: Great job, guys! Awesome, that's that was fun. Heavy yeah. shit. Heavy shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Are you gonna edit out my? I don't know. What the is uh, just, it just show a picture of me with a wine glass, like. I'm <laughs> actually, uh,
4: we're actually gonna be in the outtakes, right? money? I'm like not me. sure. I'm not sure we laughed at burnout in the face enough. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's okay because with goats and yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 Wait, fact, did you say I
1: don't with know, where, goats? What about the? You don't need that. a laugh track. Just use that, Paul. <laughs> <Just> a goat <laughs> track. Yeah, goat oh, Melissa god. just gave you a goat track that we didn't
0: <laughs> <have> had nausea
4: <laughs> Oh my god!
0: Two or three goat tracks. I, I,
4: I can already hear that.
1: <laughs> where was she? We did a, a financial independence and beer episode. Melissa, where were you? If you could yeah. have just heard of that sound, <laughs> she's all offended. From Why time was to time. I
0: invited to yeah. that one?
1: beer episode I you know I I'm sorry and my reach is limited
0: me right? for burnout but not beer, beer. <laughs>
2: yeah.
5: well, here's the thing the vent I'm, I'm
2: kind of insulted as well
0: we have
5: <laughs> like beer and people who like fi is like one big circle so yes yeah,
0: you know uh, <laughs> we have to drink to keep going
3: yeah 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 so Melissa no, no matter how badly you mess up we'll make you still sound good <laughs> <laughs>
0: You wow paul a, that's a, a, paul that's rough melissa do you
4: do you feel picked on here in this group
0: already? i <laughs> always feel picked on i'm always a single female in the group and i'm gonna represent on. always do you know,
4: do you know that, what though I, I think you can handle it
0: yeah. i i have some pretty thick skin
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like someone should put together
3: a, a podcast where we get people together to have those conversations
5: that's a great idea.
3: Do you guys want to start that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should try that out. <laughs> I thought I was there. Well, me and Doc have another meeting to head off to, so we'll we'll cut
4: this one off and
1: Yeah, and thanks, thanks guys. Thanks for your time. This was awesome. It was, it was really a good. pleasure
4: it was yeah. a pleasure meeting all of you. I Look forward to uh, staying in touch. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Take care. <laughs> Take care. I'm
0: kidding. Nice to meet you guys too. If we're not friends on social other than Bill, because he's just disconnecting. He's like, "Screw this! I'm over okay.
4: <laughs> No, no, I really no, 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 no. Are you, you going to scream some more? <laughs> I'll, st- f- I'll,
0: f- I'll f- stay
4: on if you're going to scream some more, Melissa, because I enjoy <laughs> that.
0: <laughs> okay, bye, guys. Thank you right. you Later. Take care.
4: Thank you. Right. See you. Tech moves fast.